Hi, Amber. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock, where generally our purpose, nay, our calling, is to watch movies that the critics score far below their real potential and their mm-hmm. worth. And to say, no, critics, I say no to you. These movies, they are not bad. They're wonderful, beautiful, hidden gems that you left in the dirt to rust and decay. We're warriors. We're champions of good and what is right. We are those who follow the tenets of entertainment justice. We are, yes, what is right and true. And sometimes that justice has to go the other way. Yeah, Amber, I'm so mad. Oh, dear. I I couldn't be more angry. I know. I love it when you're this mad. Like, I... I really wanted to record immediately following watching this movie with you because you were mad. I was mad. I was I was worked up. But I, I, you just took it to a whole nother level. You said some beautiful things, some powerful things, and I'm hoping yeah. we can recapture that here and I now. won't. Oh, yeah. No, it will not be as good. Folks, you should just listen to us after we have actually watched a movie. And we try to record right after. It doesn't always work out that way. Should have just late. done it this time, but whatever. Technically, you can blame this shit on Zack Snyder for making a movie that's two and a half hours long. Two and a half fucking hours. Zack Snyder, get an editor. What is wrong with you? Amber, I watched, okay, we watched Army of the Dead. It's the it's on Netflix now. Okay. I also watched, just before we, we, we um, uh, are recording, I watched the trailer for this movie. And I was re-energized with how fucking, like the... The trailer is nearly perfect for this film. That's it is good. amazing. It it has um this this like it has a story within the trailer and like the the, the they play the song The Gambler and then it like it like it's kind of like hopeful and then and then like mysterious and then it like becomes like this like just like acoustic version and like it the trailer is amazing for this movie. And then I was so excited by watching this trailer, and then the end of the trailer, I got so fucking mad because, god damn it, they just, they, they were so close. They have, they have a good movie in there. They, they have a good movie in there, and they, they ruined it a hundred times over with some bullshit that they did. You really could completely raise my estimation of this movie by, like, solid 40% if you just cut shit. You yes. you literally just need to cut out pretty much everything involving one of the characters. Mm-hmm. And then the last five minutes? Yeah, about that. Maybe a little less than that? Quite, just lop mm-hmm. it right off. Yep. And we are not saying, in fact, we are we are very specifically saying there is much to love about this film. We, we obviously so. are fans of the genre. We are delighted by the idea that you took a heist movie and a zombie movie and mashed them together. Yes, we fucking cast. Please. We loved, it's fucking diverse. There are women in there. They have some kick-ass roles and some great lines. Fucking Hiroyuki Sonata's in there again. Yes. Doing his thing. Hell yeah. So many good and lovely things. Fucking spoiler alert. We don't usually do movies this fresh and, and, and clean, but lately with things being released at home, it's been a lot easier. So watch the movie yeah. first if you're going to, then listen to this. Yep, absolutely. So, okay. So the, the general gist of this movie, Amber, is that um, there 
uh, zombies um, come out of area. A zombie comes out of area fifty one. He uh, he attacks a whole bunch of people. He he he's released near Las Vegas. He um, Las Vegas is overrun with zombies. Then it gets walled in by like big like there's a wall around Las Vegas, so it's contained. Um, and then uh, the president's gonna bomb all the zombies, um, but. Um, Tanaka, who's uh, played by Hiroyuki Sanada, our scorpion from Mortal Kombat, um, he uh, says he wants the $200 million that's lying in a vault um, in one of the casinos in Las Vegas. And so he hires Dave Bautista, who plays Scott Ward, to like gather an Ocean's Eleven type team to uh, get in, open the safe, and helicopter out of there. And they have to survive the zombies. Um, the, the 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 wrench that comes in is that very stupidly, um, uh, Dave Bautista's daughter convinces him that she should come on the mission with them because she wants to find one of her friends ish that um, went in there looking went into Las Vegas looking for money, and so like she has forced her way onto the team. And so not only does he have to find the $200 million, but he has to keep his daughter safe. His daughter who yeah. has every intention of not doing anything safe. And is the second wrench. They already mm-hmm. have a wrench yes. in Garrett Dillahunt's character, who is sent by Tanaka to help them get through the security because it is, it's, it's Tanaka's building. Sure. And it's his $200 million, which he's already been reimbursed for, so it's untraceable, blah, blah, blah. But you know he has a different agenda, and that agenda does throw a wrench into everything that's happening. So inexplicably, they have two wrenches, two wrenches plus zombies. Like you two don't wrenches need, plus zombies. You don't need all of that, folks. You, you really don't. Super don't. Guess which wrench I want to fucking get rid of? It ain't Garrett Dillahunt, people. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting ahead of us. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, you were doing so well, and then I jumped in. I'm gonna jump out. I'm gonna jump out again. No, I'm no, sorry. no. It's very true, though, Amber. And and this is something that we talked about that there is there is no. There is zero way that a parent lets a child come with them into a zombie city. There's 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 zero way that that makes sense. There is no possible argument that a child could make to join a parent into a zombie mission. But I just saw an argument made that allowed child to join a parent into a zombie mission Dave Bautista's like hey I'm gonna give you 15 million dollars once I get in and out of here if I survive and she's like take me with you and he's like no you'll die and she's like uh well I guess you can either take me with you and protect me or I wait until you leave and I go in on my own and die that was her argument in that case the mission does not happen and I take my daughter and uh uh take her away from that place to another place until the whole place is bombed and I don't have to worry about zombies anymore. Fuck $15 million. I'll take my living daughter, please. It was 100% for her. So if she dies in there, it had no purpose for him. There was no purpose. There is no way a parent brings a child into a zombie world. Like, that's not... And they'd escaped from it. These these folks that um, Dave Bautista, like his his crew, were mostly made up of folks who had um, escaped from uh, uh, Las Vegas in the very beginning. And so they knew what the fuck was up. This was not a... 
hypothetical for them. They, it's, 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 it's inconceivable. It starts out inconceivable. And the, the amount of like shit that you have to forgive to allow that to happen. Like the daughter has to be shitty, which she's super shitty. And then that makes Dave Batista a shitty parent. It's just, why would you do this thing? It, it's, it's, it's a wrench that doesn't need to be in there, and all it adds is half an hour more to the movie that should be gone, and it would make it a more interesting movie. But we digress. Yes, a little bit. So, I mean, you can already kind of tell that where we might be landing on some of the characters and themes in this film, but uh, let's, let's move on to the critics. Yeah, Amber. Yeah. What did the critics say about this one? I mean, Metacritic, it's at 56%, which is fine. Or no, it's at 57%. Users at 61, which is mm-hmm. fine. And it, I feel like that's fine. That is an acceptable level for this movie for me. There are, although, way too many positive reviews. Very glowing, positive reviews. And I don't like it. There's one negative review and they're just the the blurbies aren't hitting on the main issues that megan and i are coming up against and i have crazy eyes right now are you looking at these crazy eyes megan trying not to but they're inescapable okay let's uh let's let's, uh how'd rotten tomatoes yeah 71 for critics and 79 for the audience no no for this movie. A genre movie that is a zombie heist movie getting 70 percent needs to be pristine Yes. Fucking frankly, there are so many other movies that are so much better than this for so many reasons. Again, Long Kiss Goodnight is the thing that always pops into my head in Mm -hmm. moments like this. Great storytelling, fantastic action, fantastic actors, silliness. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. This is not better than that. This is so much worse than that. My eyes are about to pop out of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My main complaints that you see are it's too long. Yes, it is too long. Fair. It is too long. That it doesn't manage to deliver on the promise of the opening scenes. That's true. The opening scenes were, were fantastic from the kind of offhand silliness of the military convoy and, you know, the single zombie attack in the desert to the over-the-top zaniness of the credit scenes with the music and the zombies ravaging Las Vegas and us getting to know the survivors and even the the melancholy moment at the end when one of the survivors you've been following who finds her daughter amidst all of this chaos, they're reunited, they almost make it out, and then those two get murdered by zombies and squished. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it again, this is another thing. Like, the trailer's perfect. This opening credit scene is its own story, and it's nearly perfect in its own way of, like, Viva Las Vegas playing across this, like, you know upsettingly gory things happening but we're also seeing like dave batista doing his thing and uh and escaping and we're seeing um you know escaping with his daughter we're seeing um amari hardwick who plays vanderho a a soldier well a soldier slash um what what was he psychology major or something like that um he was was like he had like a philosophy graduate or philosophy Yep. Um, so we're, we're seeing these people and we're getting like this, this wordless account of what their experiences were in this very beginning of this zombie takeover of Las Vegas. And it's, it's super interesting. And we finish with that. And then we move ahead several years and see where they kind of are now. None of them are in a great place. Nah, not too, not too much. Not too much. 
So for us, there are two main thematic problems with the movie. We, we have a lot of fun with it. We, had, we enjoyed the gore and the action. We enjoyed the silliness. It, it doesn't have, you know us, it doesn't have to do much for us to get giddy. This, this concept alone had us pretty high on life. Yes, very much so. So, Amber, I'd like to bring up one of the uh, the reviews. The AV review gave it a B. Um, and, okay, so the, kind of the last bit of the review says, Turning Vegas into a falling, fallen kingdom, its towers of glamour and vice emptied out, at least superficially, recalls the satiric function of the multi-tiered shopping mall of Dawn of the Dead, even if Schneider doesn't pull hard enough on that thread. His characters are multiracial, multicultural... Uh, ensemble, a new generation of mar- marginalized Americans, some of them inter- immigrants, um, just like the ones that populated early, the early best entries of Romero's decade-spanning franchise. And if these aren't the deepest heroes, they're still starring in a Netflix zombie flick about veterans left to rot by their country, and with scenes set in an abusive internment camp in the desert. That the film doesn't belabor or overstress its political conscious is vintress- vintage Romero, in the best sense. Oh wow, I'm angry about that review. Yes. Yes, Amber. Oh, wow, they they just gave Snyder credit for all of the things that we pretty much think he failed to do. Yes. Absolutely. This this doesn't like yes, that is that a lot of that is set up and then Snyder kicks that all in the goddamn face. And throws up double birds and says, well, fuck you, I'm ending this in the shittiest way possible. Which we'll get God, to. But like so many of them do yeah. reference Romero. And and, yes. and that in and of itself is is signaling how little they understand it or how well they understand that reference. But the fact right. that so many people are kind of bringing up the social and political and the capitalist and the, 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 the oh, oh, fuck you. Oh, fuck you. It is, there is... If I were to agree with any of that, it winds up sig- amounting to nothing more than virtue signaling, considering yes, where they absolutely. take this narrative. Right. It, it, those those points are true. But like you said, yeah, that virtue si- signaling kind of idea where like you're bringing all this shit up and then you leave it on the floor and step on it. Like there's there's no thoughtfulness about it at the end. In fact, like at the end, you just have the one white person live. Great. Fantastic. And and then worse. And, and then, then worse. Get worse. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Yes. So mm-hmm. critics Amber. Oh, I vehemently and violently disagree with you. You have missed the mark so very much on what is important to Megan and I. Yes. Yes, there are great things in this movie. We are going to roll around and in delight in the things they did right. But then I think we need to just roast the shit out of this pig because fuck. Critics corner. Usual deal, but reversed. But reversed. God damn it. God damn it, reviewers. I just... I just can't with you. Megan, there's so much to love about this movie. There's so much to love. It hurts my heart that much more that it did me wrong, that it did me dirty after giving me such delight. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Opening scene where there's just that ridiculous conversation between these two soldiers and the convoy... There's a convoy carrying a uh, thing that we don't know what it is. But yes, then there's soldiers in front who are having this conversation about what could be in there. What could be in there? And one of them is just like, well, you know, considering where it came from, I think you know what I'm thinking. And the other dude's just, what? I don't, I don't know what you're, you, you're being 
really cryptic friend. If I just Area 51, you know? What Area 51 and then, you know, a guy getting a blowjob in a car crashes into them. Yep. Just married in Las Vegas. Mhm. So, that's how the zombie apocalypse in Vegas starts. Yes. Yeah. And and the opening scene is is the, the over the credits with the music, delightfully gory. You get to know your your main protagonist to a certain most of them anyway. And then it just goes back to mundane life. And it, it is that kind of glitz and glamour of Vegas. And then you go back to having no money in your sad life and job. It, it is it is kind of a fun juxtaposition of like, you if you blow your wad in Vegas, you're not coming back with much. Yep. Yep. But with zombies. But with zombies. Yep. That's all. Yay. Yeah. And so so then we kind of cut to, and it's... I, I'm unclear, but but several years later, it seems like it is so hard to tell. It's, like the yeah. the newsreel info dump just give you a sense of time, but not necessarily how months. Like a president has been elected, right? Since Vegas was walled in and filled with zombies, not in that order. And his because you you hear that his campaign promise was to deal with the problem, and that he's going to use what was it low level nuclear weapon low yeah, low admission yields yield mm, yes. On, on on these zombies. It'll get the job done, but if somebody happens to pop out of the rubble just after the missile goes off, they're probably going to be fine. I Apropos of nothing, I mentioned. Yes. This. Oh, don't know why you'd say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so at that point, we, we have a ticking time bomb clock because um, it's 96 hours before this, um, this uh, uh, nuclear weapon is going to be released on Vegas, at which point... Now you have um, uh, Tanaka coming in and talking to Scott Ward about the fact that he wants him to go in and uh, rescue this $200 million from a vault in Vegas before that shit gets blown up. Exactly. Then you have your typical get the team together, you old son of a bitch, of course, I'm in kind of moment. Mm -hmm. The best one being, of course, Tig. Oh, so good. Oh, Tig. So the... People may have known, and this is something to the movie's credit, to Zack Snyder's credit. Um, there was an actor before, I don't even talk about him, but he uh, is a piece of shit, and he was oh, star- He was in this role, and um, and uh, people realized he was a piece of shit, and so they kicked him out, and they hired Tig, and essentially she green-screened and entered, and, like, entered into this movie. They had to reshoot a bunch of these scenes, although a lot of it seemed like she wasn't necessarily interacting with the the folks, so she did a really go- good job kind of uh, being there with apparently having shot most of it after everything had been already filmed. So, yeah, so we got Enter Tig, the helicopter pilot. It's just wonderful. Batista goes to her and is like, so if this pans out, um, you, you'll get $2 million. Oh, I'm 100% in. You don't want to know any details about what we're doing, where we're going. I hate my life so much. So much. That $2 million would make all the difference. But I, I assume it has to do something with a helicopter. Yeah. And I'm a pilot. Yeah. I'm in. She's She's set up as part of, you know, the comic relief. She's like that sardonic, nihilistic, but sort of commenting on the situation comic relief. And you have another character introduced who's who's the wacky zany comic relief, Dieter, the German safecracker. Yes. And I was so delighted because of course you need comic characters. Of course you need people to kind of puncture it and make it silly because that's the type of movie that this is. Right. And 
I love to have them, but so often, so freaking often, they are usually yep. a black man doing stupid things and then dying. Yep. yep. And and I will mention, you know, as as a gay woman myself, Tig, just her presence in this movie and her like coolness, helicopter pilot, nihilistic. They they just let her like soak up the camera and like as soon as the trailer for this movie came out, instantly the way I knew this movie was coming out was because people all over Twitter were like, Oh my god, and they're like just holding their chests and being like, Oh my god, taking this. Oh my god. Like just the the she was in it for like three seconds of the trailer and they're like Tig in this movie is my sexuality and uh this is beautiful and it's true like she's she has this like just glowing presence in the movie that's um delightful she she's one of the things that makes this amazing well she's one of the amazing things about this bad movie right and and she's not in it very much like that's one of the I mean, and it, uh, it's understandable because of the way the movie, the way she was shot in the movie, but it's disappointing that she wasn't originally in it because the role and she is so good. Agreed. It's all, you know, the, the traditional team gets back together. People start digging up their old zombie killing implements and then all gathering for Hiroyuki Sonata's pitch. You know, here's here's the deal. He's got this amazing scale model. <laughs> He's wearing this amazing three-piece suit. It's, yes. And his dialogue is beautiful. They, they keep showing sort of cutscenes to how, you know, one imagines he's imagining the heist will go. Absolutely. And it ends with him describing, and I, I don't think I've said who played Dieter. He's he's so adorable in this movie. He um, is. Matthias Schweisgolfer. Yes. I'm sorry if I murdered Good that. Job. He describes, you know, Dieter cracking this safe. It... <laughs> And I can't do it justice because he has that wonderful voice. But like a surgeon or a painter, his masterpiece rendered in barely audible clicks. Finally, she succumbs to the sheer dominance of his gentle touch. <laughs> and it shows, you know, a cutscene of Dieter idealized opening the safe. It's... It's pretty good. It doesn't need to exist. It doesn't, he doesn't need to be playing this, like this delightful over the top. He doesn't even really come off as a villain. So good. You know, then they have to hook up with, there's a, there's a coyote in the camp. Um, the character's name is, is Lily and it's played by Nora as Arna Zader. Mm -hmm. I am killing last names right now. You are, it's beautiful. Nora Arna Zader's Lily is fantastic. Yes. And the, the so the way that this like this camp around Las Vegas works and and it makes no sense because they are like literally up back to back with the um like the the um containers that are are the wall that blocks off Las Vegas. There is no reason for them to be this close to the actual zombies, but they are. They're they're back to back against the the wall that makes the zombies, and this this camp is supposed to be. Folks who maybe were came out of Las Vegas and they're not sure if they're zombies or not, but it's very clear that like nobody in this camp is actually zombies, and um, and the, the government's keeping them there because uh, you know the government's assholes, and and most of these folks are immigrants, and and they are kind of yeah just holding them there. And so Lily's character is the person who can ferry people in and out of the zombie city. She knows a way in. 
And she has, over time, kind of learned the rules of getting around as safe as possible. And she she brings people in because they are so desperate for money to either buy their way out of the camps or start a new life that they're willing to risk going back in. Which is, like, that's also really cool. You have this one mother, Gita, um, and, and she has two kids, and she is so desperate for $5,000 that she's willing to go in and try and and survive the zombies like that's that's commentary right there yes and so gita's played by huma kurishi and like it's heartbreaking she's got two kids and it's heartbreaking that she wants to go in here for five thousand dollars and you also are given a scene where one of the guards in the camp clearly abusive racist misogynistic and rapey as fuck Mm mm-hmm comes over and exerts his power over her and, and makes it very clear that it's not just the zombies that are the problem. It is that her situation is untenable for so many reasons. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so through this, you, you get like, okay, that's, that's, I'm glad you put that in there. Super neat. And then you also introduce the character of Lily, who is how Batista and his team get into the city. And she kind of helps them figure shit out. And there's this whole interesting sort of society that's developed inside the original mm-hmm. zombie is actually has an intelligence and has intent and yes. anyone he personally bites becomes another alpha faster stronger more self-aware and then right. when they bite people they just become the shamblers who are just sort of the mindless slow typical stu- zombies you're used to seeing yeah too stupid to get out of the sun so they uh, they like bake in the the Las Vegas sun and are just like piled up against the containers, containers on the inside. But we're told that when it rains, they come to life for a few hours, it's which amazing is in color. That's amazing. That's horrifying. We never get to see it, but it's it's like them being too stupid to get out of the sun is super interesting. Them coming back to life when it rains is terrifying. It's like the like wildflower blooms in the desert when the when when there's rains. The zombies come out come out and play for a few hours. Um, but this is super interesting, right? This is like the the, the zombie alpha is trying to create a new society where, like, he's trying to create a community, and and that's interesting, like. Having zombies actually have, like, these personalities and trying to do something rather than just murder is different. And it's interesting. And horrifying. The idea that there's a sense of agency there. And Lily's character even kind of says, you look at this and you see that they're trapped in here. It's like, nah, this is his kingdom, man. Right. Yeah. He's 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 building a thing. He's, he's doing shit. He he apparently does not care enough to try and get out. Because I think you fucking know he would if he wanted to. Right. Oh, yeah. You get the sense that if he wants to, he if he wanted out, he would have out. It's just shipping containers, people. This guy can leap tall buildings and mm-hmm. rip through walls. Yeah. So her character is great. And like, I would watch a movie where we were focused on her because she's that perfect gray character. She clearly has a conscience, but it's not the thing that guides the majority of her actions. And everything she, every person she brings in is responsible for themselves. She gets them in, it's their job to get themselves out, and she will leave them if they get into dire straits. Right. She's not a savior. She's a survivor. Yeah, exactly. And she's doing this because she gets paid to go in and do it, and then yeah, and it's harsh. Like, she, she will leave you behind, which is what she did to Gita. Or she might bring in an abusive, rapey security guy and use him as an offering to get people deeper into Zombie City because she realizes that's how this society works. 
And that's what she fucking does to that dude. Yeah. Theo Rossi plays the abusive security guard and he he does he does smarmy very well as an actor. He does. Um yeah, and so he's taken away by by the Queen Alpha and uh and taken to um Zeus the King Alpha to uh to become to become part of their society. Hmm. We also know there's a zombie tiger. Uh, Garrett Garrett Dillahunt, our our real antagonist bad guy, <laughs> response to the zombie tiger. That's a goddamn zombie tiger. That's crossing the line. So of course, you know how he's going to die because he's a bad guy, so he needs to die spectacularly. It's like he right. chose his own mode of death. Yep, absolutely. And you know, slow rolling into the city is cool. Whatever, whatever. And there's a cool scene also where they introduce the concept of hibernation for the shamblers. They just right. sort of once they're inside, they just deactivate mm-hmm. and stand frozen. However, they were last moving, sometimes with right. their arms outstretched. Who knows what they were up to when they just decided to shut down like robots? Mm-hmm. And you get the creepy scene of them crawling through these bodies to kind of get to their destination. And Garrett Dillahunt's character betrays Chambers, played by Samantha Wynn. Her last stand is amazing. It's amazing. I do not begrudge any moment that they lavished on her last stand. Garrett Dillahunt leads her character into a part of the zombie, you know, hibernation area where she can't escape. So they start, you know, start to wake up one by one. So she silently starts killing them with knives and gently putting their and bodies gently down. gently like, yes, of, so good. And then, and then just pure bad luck. One of the corpses managed to knock something over. Then she just goes apeshit with guns, still not getting bit, still getting out. And then she almost gets out and then Garrett Dillahunt bars the fucking door and you're like well she's gone then she comes crashing through the door yep still fighting still not bit and then her team fucks over by just sort of letting it letting her die yeah which is and she was she seemed to be on to garrett dillahunt which is why he kind of uh you know sent her astray and uh and then he kind of encourages everybody to just let her die which you know she does which is so and then she gets blown up which is which is cool like he's, he's, yeah, she, her, her buddy blows up the gas tank on her back and you know she goes out taking a lot of zombies with her but it's she does. so cool it's very yeah it's very good it's a very good scene of like so you, you don't see this very often where you have the like the 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 the, the like stealth mode zombie kill where no. just every time one of them starts to wake up she just like quietly knifes them in the head and then lays them down and like does that a bunch of times before she gets real um, it's delightful. It's great. It's so good. She's so good. I was so sad to watch her die, but it was so cool to watch. And, the, and so many fake outs of like, well, that's the last of Chambers. Oh, no, it's not. Well, that's mm-hmm. the last of Oh, no, it's not. No, it's yep. the last of Chambers. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chambers. Once they get to the vault is when you also get to part of one of my favorite things about this movie. And that is the interplay between Dieter mm-hmm. and Vanderhoe. Yes. who is played by Omari Hardwick so well. Yes. He's the ex-soldier philosophy major mm-hmm. who, you know, made it out originally, uses this massive sort of like cutting through cars to save people saw blade. Yes, which we saw him do at the very beginning of the movie, that opening title scene, which was played to like, this. oh, by the way, people, this this movie is, oh, it's bloody. Oh, it's gruesome. You got to know that. Yeah. Steal yourself early on. Someone's jaw gets ripped off. Like yeah. it's yeah, and that's that's so, minor compared to other shit that we see. 
Yes. So, so he, like, he's just, he's, yeah, fantastically awesome. He's not impressed with Dieter. You know, Dieter is this, you know, slight, silly German safecracker. And he's, he's, he's always kind of like giving him derisive looks, not taking him seriously. They get down to the vaults. They have to figure out the, Tanaka described them as non-lethal deterrence that had to be triggered before they could get safely to the vault. So when they get down there, n- not only this, but they've realized at this point, another team was sent in before them and they see the other team and they're dressed a lot like our current team. Sure which are. S- sets off Omari Hardwork's Vanderho into this amazing fucking monologue that he's, it, it's, I guess it's not a monologue if he's talking to somebody. It doesn't matter. Dieter is there. Guz, um, who was Chambers' friend and the one who brought her in, who is played by Raul Castillo. While he sets explosives to blow the cage that leads to the hallway of death that leads to the vaults, he's talking about finding the bodies. And he's like, you got to think about it. It could be us in another timeline, laying explosive, laying explosive, and we're caught in some infinite loop. Fighting and dying, fighting and dying, fighting and dying. Tanaka, puppet master, devil, god, and you and me simply pawns in some perverse play where we're destined to repeat our failures. And finally, in some mind-bending, ironic reveal, it all begins again. Boom. And when he says boom, he blows the gate. And he's just sort of like manhandling Dieter around while he says this and (laughs) says the explosive and then like brings him away from them. It's... Oh, it's yeah, so good. It's, it's great. It's great. And it's great that they find people that had been there before. It makes more sense that, like, they're at least the second team who've gone in to try this. Because, like, why would Tanaka wait till 96 hours before this shit is about to um, be exploded? Like, it totally makes sense. All of it. Absolutely. That's great. It, Omari Hardwick plays this character so well. So much of it is he's pretty quiet and a lot of it is body language. And you, it's it, he does it so, so, so well. And then when he delivers kind of these quiet, pensive, thoughtful lines, it's funny, it's incisive, it's... Oh. And it, he and Dieter start to bond as he... Yes. Because the next part is all body language. They have to trip these, these booby traps. So Van goes up and gets a zombie and tries Wordlessly. to get them to walk forward. Mm-hmm. And he won't walk forward. So then he has to shoot the zombie and then turn around and go get another one. And it like yep. says nothing. He gets another one on, on a dolly. He keeps bringing them down on dollies. Yep. But this time he managed to microwave a hand at which he tosses into the booby traps to convince it to go after the hot meat. Mm-hmm. And it triggers the very lethal booby traps. Oh, so many lethal. There's There's darts and then there's guns. And then the wall just closes on in on the zombie and just makes him into mush just just a tenderness jam of a man so very gooey and at this point you've got to be thinking you've got to be thinking huh like tanaka said that these were non-lethal uh uh things to get to this vault like hmm wouldn't have tanaka told us if it was this hard to get to the money if he really cares about the money huh hmm her and that's how you get to Garrett Dillahunt with Lily. I keep yes. Martin. Garrett Dillahunt's character is named Martin. Martin and yes. Lily. Up to some other shit. Yes. Turns out Tanaka doesn't care about his money. He is there to get a sample of the zombies before the city is blown up because that's your real weapon of mass destruction right there. He could make millions selling zombie apocalypse. God, yeah. Oh, Tanaka. Yeah, come on, Tanaka. 
And it's this is up. your wrench. This is this is because Martin goes after the queen zombie who mm-hmm. is pregnant. So he sets off the alphas coming for them. Everything yes. was fine until he cut off her head, thereby killing the baby. Yes. And it brought was, it with him. Yeah, it was horrifying. Her head, of course, is still alive. And uh, um, when the king alpha comes over uh, uh, kind of after this and finds her body, he brings her her body in and we, he gets in there and finds her like a tiny little fetus baby who who dies in his hands. And yeah, it's all very... Oh my god. Oh wow. Oh, this is okay. Wow. He Which was in like, a family way. Yes. And and now he's not, and he's not happy about it. He is not happy about it. These zombies say nothing, but they say but they screech in a way that you totally understand what they're getting at. Yeah. A lot of lot of, you know, a lot of body work with the zombie players. Good good makeup too. Good makeup. Good like yeah. Makeup like clicking almost like like insecty noises animal yeah anyway it's all it's all very well done yeah and and that's your thing so lily is now um she's she's witnessed this and like she didn't know what he was up to until he starts until (laughs) until martin starts waxing philosophically thank you about um the fact that now he's gonna have be able to you know have wmds made of zombie and she's like oh fuck oh fuck i wasn't in it for this like I, I was gonna portray people uh, to to do this weird thing that this guy wanted to do, but like I didn't know it was gonna. It wasn't supposed to be this, and it wasn't supposed to be hurting my team. So like again, she's in this gray area, but it turns out to be a lot grayer than she thought. He thought she thought he was just gonna get a vial of blood, mm-hmm. which wouldn't really set anything off. But right. by cu- cutting off her head, she knew the alphas would come for them. And that that, right. that fucks them. Everything's, everything's fucked after that. Everything's fucked. And, like, she didn't realize that it was for, like, using uh, – uh, she thought it was for research versus, like, research into mass weapons. Like, Which is still a bad idea. You, you want the oh, zombie plague to end here. But it's, you just it's, ended. But she had enough kind of deniability to be like, hey, you know, that's what the world is. He was going to do it with or without me. So this way I can – yeah, she, she it keeps yeah. her interesting and gray. Yep. Absolutely. And him firmly evil. Yes. Which we, yeah, already knew. But it was, yeah, great. Great. This is great, Amber. This is great. This is a really interesting... I am compelled. I yes. am delighted. Mm-hmm. We, when we get back to the vault, Dieter and Van are now totally friends. There is yeah. a fantastic exchange while Dieter is trying to open the vault and Batista comes in and, and it interrupts him. And Van is just so disappointed. <laughs> it's like in batista you, like in like in a, batista yeah yeah he's like you can't you can't do this man she, he's trying to work like they're he's, buddies now yeah, and it's so it's, sweet yeah absolutely so now it's time for our second wrench which we'll get to <sighs> and it's it's part of our, our diatribe but but so far everything's great when shit goes tits up it all makes sense the alphas come for very good reasons start murdering everybody right they Basically have to leave without the money. Dieter sacrifices himself for Van, locks him in the vault. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's, it's, wor- it's like earned. It's great. The only people who make it to the roof where the helicopter and Tig are, are Batista and, and Lily, Scott and Lily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once they get up there, unfortunately, the main alpha manages to like skewer Lily. She, but she holds him off because she, she managed to steal the head from Garrett Dillahunt and she holds right. a gun to the head that's still alive. And so Batista and Tig are able to take off. And then she gets skewered 
and then still manages to drop the head off the building in a great fuck you move. In a great fuck you slash, oh boy, that's horrifying when the head hits the, the ground from, you know, 30 floors up or whatever the fuck it is. Splurty, splurty, splurt, splurt. Yep. yep. I just have in my notes for uh, Garrett Dillahunt's Martin character, zombie tiger death, oh no. Yes, yeah, the... um. So um, Lily has exchanged the head for like a, a a money counter thing because she's kind of realized that like she can't let him get out of here with his head and uh, and so Dillahunt had had tried to leave via other means because he'd fucked over the rest of the team and essentially was like and I'm out um, but he gets he gets got by the tiger and the tiger the tiger plays with its food quite a bit before uh, yeah he does not die right away he does and not. he does not die pretty. No, no, no. Some intense things. Yeah, it's it's horrifying and fantastic, you know, depending on what kind of mood you're in. All of this is great. You're using tropes, but you're adding in new interesting things with like zombie mythos and biology. And this ensemble yeah. cast is fantastic. It's crazy diverse. It's, I love all of this. Amber, yes. Amber, yes. Amber, we haven't mentioned fucking David Batista's daughter in this whole thing where we've been talking about how much we love the movie. Because we can't talk about her because we would have immediately oh. launched into the fact that Kate, played by Ella Purnell, fucking sucks. She sucks so bad. She sucks. We have left her out of all of this because, like, let's put her back in now, guys, and let's talk about why... This shit is all fucked up because she's awful. How do we meet Kate? Oh Megan? my god, uh, she's a um, volunteer at the um, like refugee camp outside of um, Las Vegas. She is. Um, eh, I, she kind of describes herself as a friend of Gita, but she can't really be a friend of Gita because she doesn't understand where Gita's coming from or really like support her as a person. So uh, Kate's there to like. Uh, volunteer and be a humanitarian worker in that fucking camp. Yeah. And we meet her when Gita's having her interaction with the asshole abusive security guard. And what does she do, Amber? What does this white lady do when this woman of color who has two kids is just trying to, like, walk through the fucking streets? Well, first, she's busy telling Gita how stupid she is for wanting to go in for $5,000 to the zombie area. She's not wrong, necessarily, she's not wrong. but she's completely lapping, lacking in empathy for her circumstances and the yeah. situation that she's in. It is just like top down. Okay, what you're doing is stupid. And you know that, right? So when they're beset by this clearly fucking abusive guard that, that Gita is clearly terrified of, she immediately yes. goes into submissive posture. Yeah. Head down, back straight, no eye contact, complete silence. Mm -hmm. This man has power over her and her children. Right. Gita tells her after the interaction that he could quite literally make them disappear and no one would say anything about it because he has the complete power to say they're probably infected. Yes. So, of course, Kate immediately antagonizes him and escalates the situation. Yeah. How is an ally supposed to do things, Megan? Is are they supposed to antagonize the crazy person who has a lot of power? It it is it, it is very important one to know that I am not the, the the authority on any of this, but it is also important to know that if you are trying to be an ally in this dangerous type of situation, the time to speak up against this against you know, uh racism and and authoritarianism in this camp is not 
while you are alone with a woman of color who's part of the camp who has two kids in an alleyway with the fucking, like, security guard who has all the power against you. Like, this is not your time to be mouthy. Like, this is your time to be supportive and and make sure that your friend is fucking safe. This is... This is not the time to act out, and the only thing acting out at this point is going to do is going to get Gita hurt, her family hurt, her family, like, it, it is not, it's so much of a white savior thing. It's so, like, her whole character is that. Yep, it, it sets the tone for this. Gita says nothing during the interaction, but she's the first one who gets her temperature taken mm-hmm. as a threat. To see if he, he could, like, it, it is, and then after the interaction, she's like, are you crazy? And Kate's like, we shouldn't have to take that shit. She's petulant and and shitty the entire time, even when she stops directly antagonizing him. It is a complete expression of how safe she is and how much her privilege and entitlement cloud how she interacts with the world yeah, and the reality she, of it. She can't even see how unsafe Gita is at that moment. Exactly. And she gets mad at Gita for, like, not standing up to him. Mm-hmm. And then goes right back to the conversation they're having before. Don't be stupid. Don't go in there. Promise me. And the conversation's yeah. done. So then we, the next time we interact with her, it's when she's introducing Batista to the coyote who's going to get them inside and to Lily. Yep. And that's when she realizes that Lily let, led Gita in. She attacks Lily and then demands that Batista let her fucking go inside. And we've already talked about this. And this is bullshit. This is bullshit. A, a parent never would let... Uh, child go into zombie apocalypse town with them never 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 ever and ever her- never ever never okay amber it would never happen oh this is Lord. some bullshit and her reasoning is is cracked gita is yes. almost certainly dead even if she's not the team isn't going and you don't know where she is and the team isn't going anywhere near she near where she is you have zero resources to do it and your threat is well i'm going to go in and die so you might as well split your focus and protect me, which could lead to other people dying. Cool. Love that your entitlement is just going to carry you right through this white savior who's going in to save this, you know, single mother of color who... <sighs> okay. So then she basically is just petulant and defensive for the rest of it. She has a heart-to-heart with Batista, who they've become estranged. <laughs> yes. There are a couple heart-to-hearts in this movie during... <laughs> It's just, it's great. They're surrounded by zombies, but it's time to talk about our feelings. Then, Lily knows that if somebody isn't killed outright by the zombies, they're taken to the Olympus and the main alpha. So we surmise that if Gita, if Gita is Mm -hmm. alive, that's probably where she is, in a giant derelict skyscraper filled with alpha zombies. Filled with the alpha zombies. All they've dealt with at this point, at least up close with, is the shamblers. Shamblers are tough, but they're killable. The alphas are fucking smart and clever. Fuck. Therefore, the smartest thing to do is, after the vault is open and everybody's distracted, Lily sneaks away by herself with a single handgun to go search the entirety of the Olympus by herself. She doesn't know that Garrett Dillahunt has basically cleared it with his actions. So she, she should have died just by dumb luck. She doesn't. When everything goes tits up for the rest of the team and everybody dies except for Batista and Tig, he has to go find Lily. They can't just leave. The oh, bomb, Kate. meanwhile... Sorry, yes, Kate. He has to find Kate. Lily, already tragically and heroically dead. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the bomb has been moved up. Right, yep. Surprise. So there's, they have nine minutes uh-huh. 
to find Lily, who may or may not still be alive and who is searching a giant skyscraper for someone who may or may not be alive, and then to clear the city before the bomb explodes. They should all, they're all, they're all dead. They should all be dead. They're dead. They're fucking Kate dead. Kate manages to find Gita, who's still alive. Mm-hmm. Batista manages to get there in time to save the two of them. Tig inexplicably sticks around to fly yeah. them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a heart-to-heart on the fucking helicopter, which gives the alpha zombie just enough time to join them on it. Yeah. They fly him out of the city as the bomb is being dropped. He obviously, you know, is fighting Batista, bites him. They manage to kill him. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then the helicopter crashes. We see Tig is dead. Lily's alive. Batista manages to survive K- the crash Kate. as well. Fuck, I keep calling her Lily. Kate. <laughs> Kate's alive. They have a, a, a sweet little heart-to-heart before she has to shoot him in the head because he's turning into a zombie. Yeah. Megan, where's Gita? Yeah, Gita made it onto the helicopter, Amber. We definitely saw Gita on the helicopter. Yep. Yep. We, and we Kate, saw her. Yep. Kate definitely went looking for Tig, and we saw that she was dead. And then she went mm-hmm. looking for Batista, and she heart-to-hearted and killed him. Where the yeah. fuck is Gita? Wasn't Gita her sole purpose for going in there? Wasn't Gita her only fucking focus? Wasn't Gita really, really important? So important that she wound up causing the deaths of both Batista and Tig, if not others? Yeah. Yes, Amber, yes. Where's Gita? We never know, Amber. We never know if she fell out of the helicopter earlier, if she uh, uh, died in the explosion that killed Tig. We don't know. We don't know. We never... Kate never looks for her. Uh, Kate never mentions her. Kate never uh, thinks about her. Um, The whole fucking reason for her fucking white savior shit all through this movie is gone and never comes up again so to be clear not only was she just a single woman of color like in poverty refugee plot device for this white girl Mm -hmm. she was Mm -hmm. the same for the filmmakers too they don't even wrap up her storyline enough to show us her body it is fine if you want to have everything kind of ultimately be sort of pointless. Sure. Fine. But then show us. Show us that you gave enough of a shit about this character that she wasn't, didn't just exist for Kate's white savior paragon status. You know, she's yeah. the only good person in the group of these mercenary selfish people who just are in it for the money. She's the mm-hmm. only good person because she cares so deeply about this woman. But not enough to look for her. After the crash. Not enough to even see if she survived it. And neither does the movie. Gita just fucking disappears. Yep. They don't even enter story. She's the only death we don't see. Yeah. It's, it is outrageous. It is unbelievably thoughtless. And you're telling us that the Gita has no end to her story. Fuck her. Fuck her. We don't care about her. We don't care about her kids. We don't care. You know what we do care about though? Uh, they managed to find about $200,000 before they even opened the vault. And Batista mm-hmm. pockets it. And is just like, this is silly. This is going to be a rounding error once we get, you know, our $20 million out of here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thankfully, he manages to hand it to Lily yeah. just before he turns into a zombie. And she has to. So, so thank goodness Lily survives and gets that $200,000 because it was all about her in the first place. Yeah. So at this point, I'm done with this movie. It's so fucking frustrating. It's, 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 they, they care so little about Gita, the character, that they don't finish her storyline. And it's, it's. And we care so much about Kate that we make her 
really the, the, the emotional heart of the movie, the thing that we care about surviving. We because even she's see the only one that cares. Yeah. And we even see a helicopter coming in after she shoots her dad to, like, save her. So, oh, good, we know that she's going to be safe. Oh, Yeah, God, she's not just going to be stuck in the desert with that $200,000 and no one. Oh, thank goodness Kate's going to be fucking okay. Yeah. At this point, I'm done with this movie. We're so mad. So mad. But then. Oh, yes, Amber. Oh, boy. Who comes popping out of the rubble of the explosion? Fan. He was Vander safe in the vault. That Dieter, yes. Dieter stuck him in. And not only that, you see up pop four duffel bags filled yes. with cash. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was worried about him because he was um, he was locked in this vault. I was like, oh, God, that's he's going to die a slow death. No one knows he's in there. He's he's dead. And like, oh, God. And then he pops up and it's just like, oh, oh, this is cool. They're going to mm-hmm. end it with with him getting away with a whole bunch of money. Oh, so good. And Fantastic. He'd gone hand to hand with the main alpha zombie and gotten pulped. It was very cool, but like yes. also just brutal. Uh, yeah. And he stumbles through the desert with this cash, manages to find this abandoned like house with a car and the car starts and he gets in and he drives along the road and you see a sign, you know, now entering Utah. And if the movie had ended there, I would have let it go. Yes. It, I would have just yes. sucked it up and dealt with Kate's story because so many movies, you already, I already have to do that. So, so yep. many movies are like this. It's yep. a little more disappointing when you have a cast like this and when you have so many signals that they kind of give a shit about sociopolitical, capitalist, racial stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it, they, they don't have to go balls deep in it, but they, they made a point to have it there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then and spiked it with their dumb shit. Yeah, and I believe you 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 minus three stars if I remember when at the end with the helicopter scene and Gita not being mentioned, and then I believe you upped it by two stars when we see Van getting out and getting in the car mm-hmm. and going with the money. Like it's like yep. that's awesome. Like great. Like this is a little bit of hope and like he's a a, a black man. I don't know if we've mentioned that, but uh, and it's it's fantastic. He gets to he gets. That's the, that's the end of the movie, Ember. That's the end. We took away three stars. We added two. Oh, Yay, God they ended it there. The black oh. man made it to the end. The black man survived and got the cash. Yep. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure this is also part of the parallels that they make with Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Except but the movie Ember. doesn't end there because then it, he yeah. gets on a plane. Turns out he's been bitten, but he doesn't realize it until they're about to land in Mexico City. So not only does he not survive, but he is responsible for the perpetuation of the zombie apocalypse. It was contained yeah. in Vegas. They blew up Vegas. No, no zombies made it out as far as we know. Mm-hmm. But now he's about to touch down in a heavily populated city. And it's just, you know what's going to happen. It, not only did the black man not make it, but the black man is going to end the world. It's worse than nothing. It's worse than ending it with Kate. It's worse than ending it with Kate for sure. Oh, Amber. It was almost so cool. And I get you want to do your cute little, well, it's 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 ongoing because the zombie apocalypse can never be. Fl- there are so many ways you could have done that that of weren't that way. Of course you can. We yes. get that you have to continue the, the terror of the situation and you have to have a sly little wink and nod. Of, oh, he didn't really make it. But fuck you for doing it that way. Deeply unsatisfying. God damn it. Yeah. 
What a letdown. And the fact that they, 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 they call this kind of successor to Romero's Dawn of the Dead. I mean, Romero's talked about the fact that, oh, I wasn't trying to say anything about the fact that a black man survived and then got shot by cops. He was just the best actor for the role. Sure. And maybe to a certain extent, it is a successor to that because, well, there seems to be some signaling that they're aware of race and social issues. Mm -hmm. They then do this and not in a way that seems to be trying to overturn anything or highlight anything. It really is just, doesn't it suck to be poor and we don't care about her anymore? And, oh, cool, he made it, but... mm, Turns out he kind of fucked up. He should have known about being bitten. Whoopsie doodles. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a punch in the face. It really was a punch. It was, it was a gut punch. It, so much good about this movie, but those two things really fucking ruined it for me. Yeah. Because they were so unnecessary. You could cut Kate's character out, and it'd be great. You have enough yeah. to hang your hat on. You, you are involved enough in the characters, and they have another, enough other kind of like cute little heart-to-heart moments that are completely yeah. unnecessary with other characters. And you could have just had Van make it and have another zombie crawl out of the rubble. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, all this stuff about Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League movie. There is a, a, a Megan cut of this movie that deletes 45 minutes of fucking Kate and the last few minutes of, of Van. And, and the movie's not only thousand times better but it's 45 minutes shorter and not two and a half hours long and Mm -hmm. and fuck man yep and you don't need more than one bad guy you just don't you have martin you have zombies and you have fucking zombies like you don't need like you can have like you've got martin you've got dillahunt being like this this great evil bad guy you know following uh tanaka's orders of getting fucking zombie head blood whatever like fine that's great that's awesome you have this like shit and you have like lily being this kind of gray character who like redeems herself and And, then and you have tanaka himself who set up the whole thing masterminded it and yeah sent another team and didn't tell them about it totally intended for the vault security features to murder them because he wasn't there for the money he didn't expect them to make it out no, he, he's, didn't want, he's, he didn't want them to make it out. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a sinisterness there already. And, and the zombies in this movie specifically, usually zombies are sort of an environmental hazard. You don't have an intelligence behind them. You know, in Resident Evil, it wasn't the zombies that were the scary part. It was the Red Queen. Right, yeah. Who knew, I mean, and, and she was more of a neutral party trying to stop an apocalypse. But it was like the zombies are, are th- something happening to you, not them like the zombies do not have an agency in what they do and even in this movie there was the environmental hazard zombies and then there were the zombies with agency and they really weren't evil necessarily until provoked you sort of treated them like animalistically sentient other things i don't know but it, it is you had enough yeah you didn't need to add this this is this is you didn't need kate you didn't need another wrench you didn't need something else and it, and I know it's intended to be something something to to give you some sort of an emotional. You don't heist need it. Movie isn't supposed to have a fucking heart, really. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven doesn't. And he wants to get his wife back, but he's a smug bastard about it. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there there seriously are like 
five to ten minute stretches where they're just having Kate and uh, uh, um, Ward talk to each other, and it's 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 it was a roller coaster ride of emotion. Yeah, this is so good. Oh, she's awful. This is so good. Oh, she's awful. This is so good. Oh, oh, they forgot all about you. Gita, and they just did a big fuck you to. Okay, great. Oh, Van yes. made it, and with the money. This is oh, you bastards. Oh. Amber, on that note, what are you going to read this movie on the rock scale? Regrettable, outstanding, crazy balls are okay. It's so hard. It, it is like a crazy, it's a crazy balls regrettable. It's a crazy balls regrettable, which is a hard, that's a hard line to toe. Like that is, there are some outstanding parts of this movie too. There really are. I mean, you know, Megan and I, we're not about the gritty realism. We're about the, the ridiculous escapism of a well-executed action, sci-fi, fantasy, comedy. Just give us something entertaining. And this mm-hmm. is that. It is that, mostly. But there are things we really hate. Yeah. And this really just manages to interject enough of that to really piss us off. Yeah. There's no reason for them. They're not necessary to the film. You you made the conscious decision to do exactly this. Mm-hmm. Zombies were cool. Chambers was awesome. Lily's character was just complex and I just, interesting. Interesting. And it's, it's gruesome. There is some really gross shit that goes on, which is what a zombie movie is made for. Like there's some excellent gross shit that happens. And I feel like for most people, you could easily recommend it because they're probably not going to care as much about this dumb shit or even notice it as much. Yeah. But, you know, sorry, I'm brown and I guess I care about this shit. And again, not every brown person is going to give a shit about this. It's nice to just see brown people in a movie and and so many of them who all die or start, restart the zombie apocalypse. But it's it's the fact that it's the woman who acts as a white savior, who virtue signals the whole time without actually really doing anything or, or ultimately winding up risking much of anything mm-hmm. because she doesn't really seem to have a clear sense of what the risks are. Yes. That is the center of the movie. That is the person we care about. That is, is the person who survives and that we're, we're supposed to be satisfied with, oh, it's enough that, you know, she has a, a big chunk of money and um, she's going to be rescued. Right. Hooray. Because, you know, everybody else just wanted money. Yeah. But why did they want the money? Why did they need that money? They, so many of the critics mention the, you know, the, the fact that it's, it's soldiers who've been left behind by their government and, and refugees and, and immigrants and, and people of color who are in these dire straits and how terrible it is. A woman who's so desperate for $5,000 that she goes into a city filled with zombies. Mm-hmm. But we don't fucking care about her and the movie makes that clear. She we- exists for Kate. Yep. And we don't know if she lived or died at the end of the movie. And we resolve Kate's story without resolving Gita's. Yep. That incenses me. And I, yeah. I just cannot recommend re- recommend that movie. I hate that I can't. Like, I, I recommend watching it for the great parts. And I just hope that you get frustrated about this part, too. Because it's yeah. important that we keep interrogating this fucking bullshit. Yep. Yep. Because it sends a goddamn message. <laughs> it does. Even in a dumb zombie heist movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Megan, do you have an Abby story to just wash my rage out of the front of my mind? I'll do my best. I do, Amber. So um, 
Abby was in a walk with uh, my brother and uh, and Maddie, and um, as they were walking down the street, Abby saw a bird um, come and grab a worm off the street in front of them, and uh, Abby Abby said, um, "Oh, that worm! That that bird is saving that worm from getting run over by the stroller." How nice of it! And I'm sure Dan just left it there, right? No. Oh, oh, oh no. Dan, Dan, Dan uh, inquired what what Abby thought birds ate that they ate worms. Oh. Wow! Oh. Not gonna live or live in that fantasy oh. world where birds care about the the welfare of worms. <laughs> altruistic birds. Yes, deeply yeah. altruistic birds. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's better probably in the long run that she's she's not she's disabused of that notion. But I don't know. The power of the mind is strong. Maybe if she continued to believe that narrative, it would one day become true. Or true enough for it not to matter. Oh. I want to mess with babies' brains. I know I'm you just do, just making Amber. that very clear. I know you do. Amber, do you have a recommendation? All right. If I haven't recommended it yet, uh, great. If I have, then I guess I'm just doubling down. I am going to recommend a, an animated Netflix show called Tuca and Bertie. Uh, I actually watched it because I think I read a Polygon article about it that was published after it had been canceled. Um, and it's very good, and I recommend looking it up. I can't remember who wrote it, but, you know, you have the search terms you need to get where you need to go. It stars the the main voice talents of Tiffany Haddish, Ali Wong, and Stephen Yun. I mean, if that's not enough to recommend it, yeah. I don't know why I need to give you more. It was created by Lisa Hanawalt. It is raunchy female adult comedy. It is... It is, it is, it is sexual. It is unapologetic. It is messy. It is very funny. And it, it's, it's just it, these, these two birds there, it's all animal people. Um, and these two bird women who are very, very good friends and who are both kind of a mess, but like working things out and building their lives. And it's just, it's so female and so good and so funny. And there's so little like it. And it, it's, it's mm-hmm. heavy. It, it actually, in some ways, even though they're not really all that similar, it reminds me of Don't Trust the Bee in the sense that mm, this yeah. is what women doing comedy looks like when you're not trying to emulate men or go harder or go grosser, like actually being clever and being sexual, but being it from the perspective of a woman while yep. also dealing with concepts of, of assault and harassment and abuse and relationships. And it's just... It's very, very good. I highly recommend it. There's only two seasons. It's really solidly funny. Give Tuka and Birdie a try. You know how I am. I'm really bad at describing shit. So if this in any way intrigues you, you'll probably like it. Excellent. On Netflix. Yes, it is on Netflix. I said it was a Netflix show. Yes, I was reminding folks. They shouldn't need to be reminded. They should always hang on every mellifluous word I speak. Mm, yes, it's true. Megan, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, I'm going to get very specific with my recommendation, which is um, there is a uh, uh, my brother and my, my brother and me podcast, specifically episode 319 called Kenny Rogers Game Facts. Um, watching the trailer of um, Army of the Dead, it is um, the gambler is the song that plays in the background. Um, can perfectly and anytime i hear the gambler i think of this specific episode of my brother my brother and me where they um 
really take apart the lyrics and uh, really talk about how um, the, the whole, like, the the um, strategies of advanced poker that are, are uh, talked about in the in the lyrics and the fact that the best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. Um, and they, they, they go on about this and it's very entertaining to me and it, it pops in my head every time I hear that song. So episode 319, My Brother and My Brother and Me, uh, give it a listen. Listen to some experts deconstruct a song. Yeah, absolutely. That's That sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, uh, I feel like we should end it there, um, especially since I've already kind of expressed so much anger on this podcast that it would just be such a shame to end it with more. Yeah. So I'll just, you know, end it as I always do by saying to you, my friend Amber, mm-hmm. for now, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. The top of what? And why would it be a longer way to the top if you, why, why is that subject to if you want to rock and roll? Does rock and roll somehow hold you back from developing into a full person or from success or from whatever the, the top of whatever you're fucking aiming for? Like if you, oh, if you want to rock and roll, that's a real fucking hardship for your growth as a human. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What an excellent cautionary tale. Stay away from rock and roll, kids. Maybe just hit the hard drugs. Those will help you. Bye, Amber. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and have a nice weekend this year, Megan. Yay. Bye.